to dive into Matthew chapter 14, verse 15, and, and read through verse 21. This is the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Uh, it's one of the greatest demonstrated miracles that we find in the Gospels. Uh, in fact, it's the only one that we find in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, except for the resurrection. So God is highlighting this miracle. There's a lot of power. There's a lot of truth in this miracle. And I really want to talk and share just a few thoughts. I'm going to read it and we'll share a few thoughts. Let me give you some context. This miracle happens right after Jesus gets the news that John the Baptist has been murdered. He's been uh, beheaded by Herod. Uh, he was telling Herod, him and his wife, which his wife at the time was his brother's ex-wife. And uh, so he said, look, it's wrong. You shouldn't be with your brother's wife. And so uh, Herod's wife said, I don't like him. I want him dead. And uh, so, of course, Herod obliges and murders John the Baptist. And so John was Jesus' cousin. He retreats to a solitary place. And you can imagine he's just grieving. I mean, I know he's God, but how I many know he felt emotion just like us? He's trying to get away. And in that moment, the crowds found out where he was, and they pressed into him. And that's the interesting thing is, you know, you're trying to get away and people going to, there's always a need. There's always people that want to put a demand on you. Well, Jesus, it says, has compassion over them, begins to teach them and the crowds amass and there's 5,000 men that show up and theologians say that there would have been 15 to 20,000 people when you count the women and children. So this is the greatest demonstrated. In other words, everybody partook in this miracle together. Uh, really in the Bible. And I just want to read the passage. I'm going to give you just a couple of thoughts this morning that I believe will encourage you uh, as we uh, celebrate our anniversary. It says, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowd away. So he's been speaking to them, teaching them. And the disciples are like, listen, you got to send the crowd away so they can go to the villages and buy for themselves some food. So in other words, they're hungry. It's getting late. We don't want them to be hangry. Anybody relate to that? Disciples get this. Jesus replies, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. I love that because Jesus is saying, look, I'm asking you not to defer responsibility. I'm asking you to take ownership. And I think it's always easy to tell people to go versus finding God's miracle to provide for them in the moment. And so we read in other versions of this, this Jesus already knew what he was going to do. He's testing them. And so it says, we have only five loaves, and bread, uh, five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. So the response to Jesus is, you're telling me to feed them, but what I have isn't enough. How many have ever had that happen? I mean, it's kind of like us buying this building. God, we think you're saying to buy the building, but what we have is not enough. Come on, somebody. I mean, we all experience that. God, you're saying to do this, but how do I do it? So here's what he says. Bring, what's he going to bring? The sack lunch, the boys' lunch, here to me. And so what he's saying is, give me what you have. Like, put it in the right hands. God's never going to ask you to give what you don't have. So he said, look, what you have, why don't you place it in the hands of the person that can perform a miracle? And he says, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the, uh, broke the loaves. He gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. 
And I love that because Jesus is getting his disciples involved in this miracle. So he's passing the provision of this miracle through the hands of his disciples. So he wants his disciples to be the funnel. Isn't that interesting? I think that principle still relies and, and exists today. God wants us to be the funnels of his miracles here on this earth. And he, they all ate. They were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. And, and I love the more than enough. God, God is more than enough. Jesus was more than enough. It wasn't just enough to meet the need. It was always more than enough. And it says the number of those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children again Estimates are 15 to 20,000 people. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the reading of your word. I'm asking you to deposit this inside of us. Give me clarity of thought, clarity of speech, and most of all, let it be the power of the Holy Spirit that deposits it. God, let it go forth as you will. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. So the people are hungry. Uh, they don't have enough food. The disciples jump in and say, Listen, we're going to find a natural way to solve this problem that's impossible. Send them away um, because we can't, we can't feed them. We don't have enough money. We don't have what it takes. Uh, and so what we see here is that there was a need, and it was the need that caught the attention of Jesus. It was that need where Jesus said, I have compassion. They're, they're going to be, they're hungry. I understand what that's like. He, he understood what it meant to be hungry. Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. He knows what it means when you got family around and you can't feed them. And so this touches a, a point in his heart where he's like, I got compassion and, and I'm not going to send them out. In fact, I am a miracle worker. And what I find is that God typically works in the gap. When what you have is not enough, it's in that middle spot. It's in that gap where God's compassion, his power, his strength, his greatness is made known. It's always in the gap. That's the opportunity that we get to experience the miracles from God. Look, if you don't have a gap in your life, then there's probably no room for God in your life. And that's where we say, God, get rid of the storm. And I think he wants us to walk in the middle of the storm. That, God, there's this gap. There's this need in my life. There's something that I need. And, and, and God, I'm calling out to you. And that's a great position and posture to be in for a miracle. And what's cool about this story is that Jesus uses the disciples to play a part in the miracle. He uses them as a, it's really a divine setup. I mean, think about what we see transpire. The disciples are the ones that found the boy with the sack lunch. It was the disciples that brought the sack lunch to Jesus. It was the disciples that took the fish and the bread to the people. And then it was the disciples that actually picked up the more than enough. And I think it shows us that God loves for us to play a part in the miracles that he performs here on this earth. Like the disciples, look, I need you around. Think about Jesus. He's in training mode. So when you read the Gospels, the thing that I love about the Gospels is its principles, not just for his disciples, but its principles for the New Testament church. Why? He's got three years. Three years of a ministry here on earth that's being recorded to not only train his disciples, but to train us on what ministry looks like. How do we do the impossible? How do we partner with God? And I think it's a great illustration that God wants to involve you in his miracles. 
each and every one of us. I mean, think about Jesus in that moment. He could have said, hey, instantly bread and fish appear from heaven. I mean, that's possible totally. He, he could have been the one that found the boy with the loaves and the fishes because he already knew he was there. Why? Because he was God. He already knew, it wasn't a surprise. Again, when you read the other versions, it says he already knew what he was gonna do. How did he know? Because he is God. But he didn't bypass the disciples. He delegated responsibility. He wanted them to jump into a miracle that he was about to perform to build their faith and to realize that heaven partners with earth. I mean, you know, he could have distributed the food himself and got all the credit. He could have picked it all up. Just sit on back, sit down, let me take care of this. But that's not what he did because he wants us involved in his miracles. We see this all throughout the Bible. When you look through that filter, look at David and Goliath. I mean, God could have caused Goliath to drop dead instantly. I mean, he had done it in, in previous stories where someone lied to the Holy Spirit and then all of a sudden they dropped dead. God could have just dropped Goliath down, but that wasn't the point. That's not the principle. The principle is you're going to have to slay giants that are bigger than you and that's okay because I'm bigger than them. I can do it because I'm God and I'm going to do it through you. I mean, it's chock full. Look at Noah building an ark. What an impossible feat. I mean, God could have just wiped all of humanity out and started all over. No, he wanted Noah to build an ark, and he wanted Noah to be a part of preserving the animals on the earth. He wanted Noah to be a part of his miracle. Why? Because God loves to use us in his miracles in a partnership. I mean, Jesus turning water to wine, the, the wedding of Canaan. Look, look what he does. He gets the servants to take the water to the master of the banquet. I mean, he could have just walked over and said, boom, and it all turned into wine. Be great. No, no, go ahead. You play your part. I got my part. And I believe that's the way miracles work for the most part. There are exceptions. There are different moments where God does something totally supernatural. But for the most part, it is I do all that I can do. God does his part after I've done my part. And the miracle happens somewhere in the middle. God wants you to be involved in his miracles. Second thing that I love, back to the story, is that God multiplies what was given to him. So Jesus multiplied what was in his hands. And I think we need to recognize God can only multiply what you give to him. Like, it's important whose hands what you have is in. The sack lunch, the five loaves, and the two fish, they were in Jesus' hands. And, and in the disciples' hands, it was nothing near what was needed to provide for the crowd, for the masses. However, Jesus says, bring it to me. Jesus said, come on, bring it here. Give, you, give me what you have. It, it may not look like a, a lot. It may not feel like a lot. It may not even be a lot. But when you put it into my hands, it's always enough. The provision for the people was there the whole time. Isn't that interesting? See, I, I think we go back to, we look through the filter of what's possible. And so in our, in our mind, it's like, well, God, this, this sack lunch doesn't amount to that. But that's why he says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. That's why Isaiah pinned that phrase, because we've got to get heaven's perspective that if I look through the, the eyes of God and the filter of the miraculous, yeah, in my hands, it's nothing. But in the hands of an almighty God, my not enough will always be more than enough. 
And I think that's the principle we've got to go with. Not enough in your hands becomes more enough in God's. Whose hands is it in? I mean, when we need the greater, what are you doing with it? God, I, I know, but it's not enough. Yeah, yeah, that's the lie of the enemy. It's not enough in the natural, but it's more than enough in the supernatural. Put it in the hands of the one that can multiply it. My life is full of stories. In fact, I have just five stories here, and I'm not going to tell them all, but I just listed out just a couple of stories of when I didn't have enough, but I put it into the hands of God, and it became more than enough. I remember we launched this church. Never forget, you know, it was 2012. We started the process, started building the team. It's January of 2013. We launched March 17th of 2013, and so we got three months to launch we signed a contract to buy all the equipment, which it was in the movie theaters. I want to say the equipment was somewhere around 67000 But I just told God this. I have, to, I have deals with God, kind of like, hey, I'm not starting church with my grandpa's sound system and Brother Wonderful's mic that he uses at his house on his karaoke machine and... You know, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. I said, God, if you want your church to launch, then you can provide that it would be excellent. Not extravagant, excellent. Yeah. That's what I believe in, excellence without extravagance. God loves it. And so we, we signed a contract to get all the equipment. It's January. We had to put our first deposit of $25,000 down, and I had $1,000 in the bank. I don't know if you remember math 20, 30 years ago. It's been so long, but, but 1,000 and 25,000 doesn't really add up. And, and I just remember saying, God, listen, it's, it's not enough. It's not enough. What are we going to do? I felt like the Lord said, just trust me. I said, okay, great. I'm going to trust you. All right, I hear you. Building your church, I'm out here. You know, you get into a pity party. God, I'm doing all these things, working hard, trying to save your people. So I just prayed because here's what happens when that gap is big enough, you got no other option but to go to God. I think that's where we have to say, God, it's all about you. I would rather miss God trying than miss God staying still. And so I prayed, and I felt like he said, listen, I want you to write a $1,000 check. Many of you have heard this story. I've told it multiple times. I want you to write a $1,000 check. We're going up to Alabama to get approved through ARC, which is the Association of Related Churches. And uh, we were saying, hey, we, we want to launch this church. Will you guys partner with us? Do you feel like we're qualified? We're ready? And I felt like when we were going up there, the Lord said, write a check for $1,000, but leave the name blank. And so I had this conversation with God. God, that's, that's all the money we got. He said, I know. I said, no, no, you don't. Listen, that's like, I don't have nothing in my drawer. I don't have any cash in a sock. Like, God, that's all I got. He said, I know. I said, I don't think you really understand. Let me ask Phyllis. Phyllis, I think God is asking us to do it. And Phyllis is our security. Like, I'm always, fed, not always, but I, when we started, it was like, blah, blah, blah. and she's like, whoa, slow down, slow down. So I've learned. I'm like, baby, listen, I think God's saying to write this check. Hey, listen, it's all we have. What do you think? She said, do it. I said, wait, wait, listen, you, you didn't understand me. <laughs> like, it's all we got. She said, I know. I said, okay. So I wrote the check, put it in my wallet, went up to Alabama, didn't think anything of it first day. Second day was in my wallet. I met this couple, Chris and Carrie Duncan. Duncan. They were up there being assessed as well. Well, I don't know anything about them. The moment I met them, the Holy Spirit said, that's the one. I said, that's the one? That's the one. Okay. 
Phyllis, I think God said to give this couple that, that money. Can you go meet them and just make sure? Because if it ain't God, I don't want to do it. Like, I'd be more than happy to go home with this money. And she met them, and she said, I think it's the one. Well, lo and behold, they weren't launching a church in the States. They launched a church in Indonesia where it's illegal to convert people. Well, I didn't know that, but God did. And so we sewed it into them, and part of what, what was sewed into them helped them launch their church that today is running over 300 people in a movie theater in Indonesia. Amazing. And I came back, I'm like, okay, God, it's in your hands. You know, basically, it's like, all right, we needed 25,000 by the end of the week. And I had no idea, I didn't have a church. We had, a, we had just a handful of people at that time. I think we had 40 people meeting at my house. And I'm like, God, I don't, I don't know what to do. It's in your hands. And let me just tell you, by the end of the week, $25,000 cash came in to put as a deposit on that equipment. My not enough in the hands of God was more than enough. He multiplies it. It's, he's just looking for obedience. That's where it's, it's never going to add up. If, you, if you're trying to add this up, it doesn't add up. That's why it's called a faith walk. That's why you got to get out of the boat. If you missed last weekend, it was probably one of the best messages I've ever shared in my entire life. you got to go back. It's all about stepping out of the boat. And look, I know you can say, well, pastor, that's good, but I'm just, I'm just a member and I just come to this church. No, no. Listen, the only way this church is going to do what God's called us to do is if every one of you step out of your boat and do what God has called you to do. When did the church just be about Sundays? There are businesses that need to be started. There are schools that need to be launched. There are ministries that God is calling all around the world. There are missionaries that God is raising up out of this house. There are politicians that I believe are in this house. And the truth is, it'll never happen till you step out of the boat. And you're never going to have what you need. There's always going to be a gap. And I want to propose that that's the gap for the miracle for God to do. In your life, I was thinking even about this tractor supply building. You know, here we are, 2019, 2018, Pastor Benny Perez gives us a word. I believe in the prophetic word that's given by a qualified person. And he's been a great voice in our life. And he said, 2019's your year to get the building. Well, that's when we began the whole process. But what's interesting is the beginning of 2019, Phyllis and I are in a, in a, in a service and I really felt the Lord say, I want you to give $30,000 to church planning. It was a pretty big check when you're trying to buy a property and building. And I leaned over to Phyllis and I said, baby, I, I think the Lord is, he just spoke to me. Like I wasn't even thinking about it. How many know when you wasn't even thinking about it? You're like, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Come on, you know what I mean? Like there was a knee jerk, like what, whoa, what, whoa. And, uh. I prayerfully considered, and I talked to Phyllis, and I talked to some of our team, and I just said, man, I'm, I'm just, you know, we're trying to get this building, and you know what they said? God's done it before. He'll do it again. Why? Because three years earlier, it's the same thing with the Dream Center. We were looking for a property for us to buy. Now, we thought it was a Sunday morning worship experience, but it wasn't. It was the Dream Center. Why? Because God was highlighting that we would be a church of outreach, not with outreach. And so in God's providence, we wrote a check for church planning again. It's like, God, we're trying to buy a property, but you said do it. It wasn't just a couple of months later, we ended up buying and closing on the Fort Bend Dream Center. 
So we've had that win, and now this is just another, okay, God, you just said this isn't enough, so I'm going to put it in the hands who provides more than enough because you can multiply it. And here's what's amazing. It was nine months later that commissioner and the, the, the county rescinded their offer. Think about this. Just a couple of months ago, two months ago, if you remember, I said, we, we have a goal. We've got we to gotta raise a million dollars. I mean, freaked out when I said that. So we've got a, a million dollars in 100 days. Well, today, right now, we only need $410,000. I mean, that's already a miracle in just the last couple of months. And I know many of you have pledged to give today, and that's amazing. Uh, but, it, you know, we got to give. And we're at this place, and I thought, God, isn't that interesting how you multiplied that not enough? And we're walking out the miracle of more than enough right now. That you're, you're just helping us move forward. Why? Because God wants to partner with us in miracles. He wants to use you. He wants to use Anchor Bend. He wants to use me. And I refuse to be disqualified because of my lack of faith. I refuse to be disqualified for small thinking and minimalist living. It's just like, God, I, like I'm not going to live small. I'm going to dream big. We're going to live big. And what I mean by live big is we're going all in. We're not going to go cheap. I'll be portable my whole life. No, baby. We're going to have a building, not only one building. We're going to have multiple buildings. We're going to have property all over this country. Why? Because God is moving in our lives. I'm not going to limit God. I'm not going to limit God. I'm not going to limit God. I would rather miss God trying than miss God doing nothing. And I, I love this, this whole series, moving forward. We started from the very beginning. Pastor Kevin Gerald, you, you heard him up on the congratulations, been a mentor to me and Phyllis. He's the one who said, you got to get this in their bones. Got to get faith inside your people. And here's what I think. I think we're breaking the spirit of poverty. Now, poverty is not about how much you make. It's a mindset of lack. Like what I make is not enough. No, 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 no. What we make in the hands of God is more than enough. And that's where you could be rich and still be poor. And I just think God brought us here to say, no, we're going to break some ceilings. We're going to break some barriers. And I want to be a part of that. I want to be a water walker, not a boat sitter. I don't want to ride in a boat. I want to walk on water.